that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Is this a personnel issue? Is I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think, and again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his can't, part. You can't, you can't, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first edition of the Zone Star State podcast-ish. Do, do we reset now? Is this... Back, back to the beginning. Even I know, right? Back to square one. Yeah, I mean, who knows? By according to some people, they might still be listening to Texas Twenty Four because we're trying to get this <laughs> this info changed on <laughs> through Apple and Spotify. Uh, so if it still says Texas Twenty Four, just know that is changing. Uh, if you saw the tweet yesterday, you know our new name. Uh, you have you have uh, Texas A M Commerce to blame for that because mm-hmm. there are no longer twenty four teams in Division One basketball. So. Uh, we didn't want to keep changing the name every time a team jumped up to Division One, so we decided to switch it around and go with something a little bit more universal. Yep. And shout out to everybody in the uh, Dave Campbell offices for for helping us with this because yeah. Ish and I uh, can never agree on things. So that <laughs> it's good. I'm glad we had outside opinions here. We finally get something done. Um, we took last week off, reset, and now we have a full schedule going into the season. <clears throat> We're gonna get into some some uh, drafts, like some fantasy drafts, some rankings, uh, and then we're going to have a full prediction podcast for the men and the women uh, when the season, right before the season, and and then it'll be game time-ish. We're only a month and a half away from game starting, and I am, uh, I'm starting to get that itch. It's starting to hit for me. It, it, really, it really is, um, because obviously, the unfortunately, the Suns choked in the playoffs, so like my basketball mm. was a lot over a lot sooner than I hoped. Um, so it's been a long time and I was too depressed to watch any of the finals. So I didn't watch any of the finals. So, um, so yeah, so it was a very depressing summer of basketball when I expected to be watching it a lot later. Um, and now doing all the editing, all the previews for the magazine, editing all the stuff. I'm just like, Oh my God, like, I need to see these teams. I need to see these, like, I need to see what these guys look like now. Um, and yeah, the itch is there. Yeah. Today we'll be looking at the top five transfers on both the men and the women's side. So two separate lists of top fives. And I will say the the transfer element in college basketball makes this infinitely more interesting to me. Like you just have to, A, you have to figure out who's on the team. Mm-hmm. And then B, you have to figure out like, okay, how is this guy going to work with this guy and so on and so forth. I think Texas Tech is a really interesting example of that, but we'll get into them later. Um Barish, you ready to go? You ready for the top five? You want to start with let's the men go. or the women? Uh, let's do let's do the women. Um, uh, we should say that we we have two separate lists. Like we did not tell each other what our top fives are. Right. Uh, we're just gonna roll them off the top. And I wanted kind of a genuine reaction because you know I wanted to, because because you mentioned it right. It's kind of like the quarterbacks in the college football where you're like, oh, he's there now. Like I wanted that yeah. like 
we obviously are going to miss some players or like overthink some players because it's hard to look at everybody and realize who's a transfer immediately, who was there, whatever. So yeah, these are two separate lists. We did not tell each other. So yeah, let's go men first, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, you want to go men first? Let's, let's go. Oh, yeah, let's go. Uh, sorry, let's go women first. Oh, sorry. Okay, let's women first. I, yeah. I'll say this. If I missed anybody, I'm going to be quite upset because i spent like an hour last night going through rosters right right betting <laughs> everything going on google like t- transfers all this anyways so if i miss anybody especially on the men's side i think i have 30 names down on the men's side yeah um and the women's side i have like 20 so anyways i know i have a lot i had a lot of names i didn't narrow them down to five i have them still five, listed here but yeah I have the top five. five for the women all right my number one is asia blackwell uh for baylor um transferred from missouri Number two, Jordan Jenkins from UTSA. And also, this is based on impact more mm-hmm. so than mm-hmm. just, you know, these are the best. Pure talent. So number two, Jordan Jenkins from UTSA, uh, transferred there from USC. Number three, Drayana Edwards from Baylor, uh, transferred there from Kentucky. Number four, Shaley Gonzalez from Tech, uh, now at Texas, transferred from BYU. And number five, Sonia Morris uh, at Texas from DePaul. Okay, that's interesting. I actually did not put those last. Uh, I completely, I don't say overlooked those last two, but I definitely didn't have them down as far as my my like they were in some, the, the pool of lists. There are some names that I'm three. okay with if you put them on instead of them. But okay, see. so my top five are number one Jordan Jenkins, UTSA from USC. Number two Asia Blackwell. So we got the top two the same. Baylor mm-hmm. from Missouri. Yeah. Number three, I have Katie Farrell. From te- tech okay. from UTA, number four. This one's a bias, and you can you can absolutely cr- uh, ridicule me for drinking the juice that Coach Z was selling us. Morgan Hill from okay. Trinity Valley from ULM to yeah. Texas State, and then number five, I have Khadijah Fay from Texas Ooh. to Texas from Texas Tech. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the top two. I guess I mean we have them the okay. same, uh, different order. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, I think. Jordan Jenkins is like a program changing type player. And I think that's why I have her number one. I think Asia Blackwell, I think fills a huge void that Baylor needed, right? They need somebody in the post. They need it after losing both Queen Agbo and um, uh, Melissa uh, Smith. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. And so she gives them instant credibility right there. She played in a really tough SEC. She knows how to play at a high level. I think she's going to come in and be absolutely fantastic for them so i have no issue there jordan jenkins i just mentioned i I just think she's a program changing type player for what utsa ceiling is um and so now i think they go from like a team middling around 500 to like a dark horse team or like if she clicks the same way she did at usc like who knows how far that team can go in the conference i i think jordan jenkins is one i I have no problems with that really Mm -hmm. Uh, i think this might be my sec bias watching asia blackwell last year and just being like this girl is very very good. Uh, not mm-hmm. Melissa Smith, but she can get it done. A great rebounder. Uh, so I'm interested to see how she meshes with Baylor in in that in that offense. And also, she doesn't demand the ball. I, I don't think in the way that maybe Queen Egbo did or maybe Melissa did. Obviously, you want to get Melissa the ball, but I think Asia can be more of a complimentary player at times, which is going to be really um, valuable for them. You mentioned Jordan Jenkins, number uh, top two for me, pretty obviously. She's going to she's a program changer there. So yeah, the three through five is where we really 
I do, I do want to rattle off some stats real quick, just in Go case people it. didn't know. You know, Jordan Jenkins, uh, almost 15 points a game, 14.8 last year, 6.7 rebounds, uh, 1.5 assists on over 50% shooting. Asia Blackwell, I mean, double-double machine, fifteen point over 15 points a game, 13 rebounds on just under 50% shooting, and she's averaged a double-double basically the last two years, and I think she was just shy of a double-double uh, her first, her freshman year. So, star player, genuinely. Yeah, 100%. So, your three through five, let's repeat it one more time. Yeah. So my Mine was Dreana Edwards to Baylor from Kentucky, Shaylee Gonzalez, Texas from BYU, um, Son- and Sonia Morris, Texas from DePaul. Mm-hmm. Three through five were. And mine was Katie Farrell, Texas Tech from UTA, Morgan Hill, Texas State from Trinity Valley, but ULM, um, and then Khadija Fay, Texas from Texas Tech. Okay. Okay. I like, let's start with the Katie Farrell one. Because okay. I did have her name written down, obviously. And I yeah. we loved her at UTA. My question is, where is the role going to be at Texas Tech exactly? You know, how sure. is it going to – because at UTA, she was just basically a triple-double. Like, and you know, nobody gets triple-doubles in colleges, but basically a triple-double. Like the Draymond Green, the Boris – I was about to say, yeah. Type player. The 10-10-10 type of stat exactly. line. Exactly. Yeah. So I wonder, Texas like, Tech, so- where she's surrounded with so much more talent – like a Riley McKinney and you go down the list there. I'm interested to see how they use her. I think, and here, I think they use her as more of a, I think this is where her Draymond role kind of really shows because she is one of the taller players still on the team. She, you know, they don't have a lot of size. I think they only have, she's one of, I think three players over six feet. And so I think she's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be some small ball potentially with her. I really like the fact that they're surrounding her with shooting options, right? Brianber Scott, um, uh, Riley McKinney, Bryn Gurley, like they have uh, Jasmine mm-hmm. Shavers, who's another one who I who I really like that they picked up from Mississippi State, um, former four star recruit, um, and so I like the fact that she at UTA. I think a lot of the time she was the only playmaker, and I I like the fact that she's. I don't know. To me, I think she'll average somewhere about the same, like four, five, five, and four, roughly. But I think a lot of it will be it'll be a lot more freeing to the rest of the team, in my opinion, than maybe because I think she led the team in assists uh, basically every year for UTA. Um, let me see. I think yeah, she averaged five points last year, five and a half rebounds, and then four assists. Um, basically, played over twenty five minutes her whole career, and she's a reliable three point shooter. Not excellent, not great, but you know, reliable. Uh, shoots over about thirty five percent. And so, but regardless, like I think surrounding her with this talent and putting her in a different situation to where she's not going to be asked to be the playmaker, but maybe a pretty consider a uh, significant one from that post position from, you know, I, I really think we're going to see her a lot more on the inside. And then she's going to be able to take, I don't know, in the big 12, how many, how many bigs like her do you see? Not, not many in, in college basketball and women's college basketball, it's more so the positions are usually really rigid, right? You usually sure, have sure. your backcourt and you have your bigs. Like that's mm-hmm. usually how it goes. If you can find those those wings or those combo wings, for lack of mm-hmm. a better term, that can do a little bit of both, then you're really, really in an interesting spot. Like, I mean, you know, I covered LSU last year. I think Texas was in a similar position last year where yeah. they were backcourt and then frontcourt. Like, and that's where I, I need to see how much – they give Katie Farrell the ball. And I think if yeah. they do, I think she'll be fine and she'll yeah. thrive. And the other thing you can't overlook is Krista Gurley like recruited, recruited her, right? Yeah. She she was at UTA and she know I think she knows especially what she has in this type of player. Um, and so I'm kind of really fascinated to see 
you know, she went out and got her again. And I'm really fascinated to see, okay, how do you see, like you mentioned, how do you see her fitting into this specific team? Yeah. Um, so anyway, who was your three again? My number three was Drayana Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. I had her written down as well. Baylor uh, from Kentucky. Again, my SEC bias is definitely showing at this point. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. But I mean, she, she averaged, what, like 18 points a game last year? I can see yeah, it. <laughs> 17 points and eight yeah. boards a game last year. And she was the second best player on that team, obviously, with Ryan Howard, who's now the damn rookie of the year in WNBA, uh, all-star. Uh, so that was a fun team. My, my question here is, Kentucky was not that good last year, like mm-hmm. in the regular season-wise. It, it was a shock when they made the run in the SEC tournament to the championship game and, you know, ended up having a, a good postseason. But, like, there, this is my question is, you know, we see it a lot of times is Ryan Howard did a lot of the heavy lifting and then Drayana Edwards kind of played off her. So it's I'm interested to see her at Baylor where Sarah Andrews is still there. You know, they still have pieces. They still have, they now have um, Asia Blackwell as well. How she fits in to a more of a team aspect things where it's not just Ryan Howard's going to get you 25 and then Drayana Edwards is going to get you 16 and then you're probably going to lose the game because that's what they did last year. So <laughs> – this is Baylor. This is a clear step up in my mind in terms of program prestige mm-hmm. and talent around her is going to be interesting as well. So I I think she could be that. And this is what I just got done talking about is she can be that middleman. She can be the wing that this team needs a six two. Uh, they have her listed as a guard. And mm-hmm. if she can be that kind of hybrid type player, I think this is going to be huge for Baylor because they didn't really have that last year. And it, and it could fit into what Nikki Collin wants to do. Sure. No, I agree. I think that you have you put her with Sarah Andrews, you put her with Jamie Asbury. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see, like you mentioned, how she is as a bit player. Not a, a bit player. Kind of seems kind of a pejorative. That's not what I mean. But somebody who isn't asked to get the you know the eight, seventeen, eighteen points a game. Who you know can she shoot a more efficient? And she was efficient last year. I don't want to make it sound like she was just jacking shots. But can she be a more effective ten to twelve? right points per game maybe um and how much does that elevate the rest of her game right can she focus more on maybe crashing the boards and you know maybe defending or 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 helping spread the floor out things like that um because you also have another year of Jaden owens um you also have another you also have another uh, other transfers like erica porter coming in jenna van geitenbeek like like a lot of like players around her to where it's like you mentioned, it's not going to be just her and Sarah Andrews or whatever, you know, like yeah. it was last year with Ryan Howard. Um, so yeah, I, I, she was close. She probably would have been my six mm-hmm. because I, I also just didn't want to pick two Baylor players uh, on the team, but, um, but you could have because you're you know, better than winning. me. I, I have two Baylor and two Texas. I am completely, right. I mean, I, yeah. I get it because they added like they the, both of those teams were like, okay, we kind of see our window here. Let's go and get yeah. it. Um, let's kind of go and reload with these top players. So I, I like that pick. She was on my the, list. Definitely. The one thing, last thing I'll say before we move on, um, Caitlin Bickle still on the team at Baylor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so now, cause Caitlin was, she was a stretch. She was a stretch forward in a sense, but she was kind mm-hmm. of like a, um, that four position, but they didn't really have anybody like her right out there. Now I think you bring Andreana Edwards, you can play the three, maybe play the four, you take a lot of that pressure off Caitlin Bickle. I think Drayon Edwards will be what they really need at that at that spot. So, and I think that was something they definitely went into the offseason trying to, you know, definitely take some pressure off of her, um, not having her being the only option basically. Because now they have 
Eric, I mentioned Erica Porter. They have her now. Um, I wonder if we see Kendra Gillespie a little bit more this season now that she's a second year player. Um, but now they have two bigs off the bench now as, as opposed to, or honestly, more than one player off the bench because they only had one player in Caitlin Bickle off the bench in general. Um, but now they have multiple options and now they're just an overall deeper team. Uh, let's get, uh, let's knock out my four and five real quick since they both play for Texas. Um, I know we said UTSA arguably won the offseason, and I think mm-hmm. that's correct still just from how where they were and where they are going to be as far as on the women's side. Mm-hmm. But Texas got four legitimate transfers here, uh, to add to Kendall Hunter. I'm sorry, to Roy Harmon, mm-hmm. and I couldn't really choose. Like separating these four was really tough for me because you have Taylor Jones from Oregon State, who did not make my list, who was right. an All Pac-12 player two years ago, got hurt last year. Um, obviously Khadija Faye, we've seen plenty of. She's going to be, I mean, really, really good. I went with Shayla Gonzalez and Sonia Sonia Morris. These two can be the the complementary players to Roy Harmon. I really mm-hmm. think that they need. Like Shaley Gonzalez last year was the West Coast Conference Player of the Year, second team All American. Uh, I didn't even know they had a, the Becky Hammond Mid Major Player of the Year award. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she was a finalist in that. And so it's just like average eighteen points, six boards, four and a half assists, two and a half steals. I mean. Shaley Gonzalez had to make my list for that reason. I mean, I just think she's going to come in and be an excellent um, uh, partner to Roy mm-hmm. Harmon there. So that's what I'm interested in there. And then uh, I have Sonia Morris from DePaul, who basically I think broke every like DePaul record while she was at DePaul. She ends up averaging 15. She averaged, okay, in the past three seasons, she averaged 15 point, 15 and a half, 19 and a half, 17 and a half last mm-hmm. year. So she's just a very proven, consistent scorer. Um, she gets – I'm looking up stats right now. She gets 72% of her points inside the three-point line at five foot ten, And so, yeah, you add another guard. That's two 5'10 guards there to add to Rory Harmon. And yeah. Texas should not be struggling to score this year. Oh, yeah. That much Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely so that's, not. That's my I, four and five. I like those picks. I like those picks. I think – as we saw last year, the biggest issue for Texas was when Rory Harmon wasn't able to play make something, right? Mm-hmm. She's not yep. she's not as I don't want to say naturally score a scorer, but she's not somebody who wants to score the ball like, you know, 15, 18 points a game. And you kind of want her surrounded by options when she gets on the break, when she can play make a little bit more, um, when she can kind of kickstart the fast break off the steal, things like that. So I think giving her scoring options around her, I think we're gonna see her kind of go to another level. Um, because last year it just seemed like if she wasn't doing, if she wasn't kind of driving to the basket, they had nothing going. So I'm yeah. really fascinated. And then you, I mean, you mentioned it by mistake, but like, I think it just does help Kendall Hunter a little bit too. Like, you know, she can kind of focus on getting in her rhythm as a shooter, um, being somebody who can, who's going to have open looks now, now that they have multiple options and multiple ball handlers, the defenses are going to collapse and she's going to have that, uh, chance to, to kind of, uh, elevate her game. I, I think my question for her is on the defensive end more of anything. Yeah. All right. Your four and five. All right. My four and five are Morgan Hill, Texas State from Trinity Valley and ULM. And then Khadijah Faye, uh, the other transfer from uh, uh, to Texas from Texas Tech. Morgan Hill, again, this again, you can blame me for drinking the Kool-Aid Coach Z was selling. But I do remember watching her at Sykes Creek and the fact that she came in as a freshman to ULM 
and averaged about three and three as a true freshman. And then obviously went to Trinity Valley. Her length and athleticism is something that that team hasn't had before. And so I think from a defensive standpoint, offensively, she's going to be pretty limited. And, you know, she she has a decent shot, but she it's all about her length. And yeah. I think when you have somebody you can deploy um, at that position and that can get on switches, that can not be a mismatch, basically, when you get in those uh, those areas, I think that allows somebody like a Denasia Hood to maybe focus on uh, exerting herself less on the defensive end and being more of a uh, contributing more on the offensive end. And then you have two players who are just lengthy and can control the boards too. So I think you have somebody like her who I don't know her wingspan, but I would not be surprised if it's like around the six, eight ish wingspan, you know, standing at six, three or, you know, if it's approaching six, nine or whatever, she's a very lengthy player. And I'm very excited um, that she was able to, that they were able to get her back because I thought I was, I was surprised at ULM. She kind of fell through the cracks to ULM for a little bit right out of high school. Um, and Khadijah Fay, I mean, look, she's not going to be the most stat happy player, but we looked at Texas last year and we were like, geez, if they can just get more out of Deanna Gatson, out of Aaliyah Moore, right. If they can just get more from their bigs, this team could be something even with the limited uh, perimeter that they had. And what does he do? He goes and gets, Texas Tech starting for a center or starting yeah. inside player. Um, and so I think you have Khadijah Faye who averaged six and six on, you know, she's not a great scorer, about four, about under, just above 40% shooting. But again, she averaged six and six on like under 20 minutes a game. Like it's not, she was a very high production player in kind of a rotationary, minutes wise, rotationary role. And now you have Khadijah Faye, now you have Aaliyah Moore, now you have Deanna Gass, and now you have three players who you can rotate out. And then you have a freshman, Amina Muhammad, who's somebody who's pretty promising uh, from DeSoto. And so now you have a decent rotation of bigs to now be your options. And I, I really just think that um, – oh, and then I completely forgot about Taylor Jones as well. Um, yeah. Taylor Jones, Taylor uh, Jones, who's from Oregon that State. So, like, you have a full rotation now, but I think you have somebody who's who gives you – I think Vic Schaefer is going to, I think Taylor Jones might be a quote unquote better player than Khadija Faye, but I think he's going to rotate to somebody like Khadija Faye based on his style of play. He wants somebody who can defend, who's going to be there to rely, to reliably get boards and make things uncomfortable for opponents. So I wouldn't be surprised if like she starts, but maybe starts in like the 10 to 15 minute role before they bring on a Taylor Jones or somebody else to um, kind of absorb most of the minutes. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Uh, here are the names that I have written down um, that did not make um, my list or our list. Uh, mm-hmm. Taylor Jones, Texas, like we just mentioned. Uh, Lucy Ebe uh, to TCU from Central Arkansas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naya Boyd to UTEP from Oklahoma State. Then yep. before that was North Texas. Uh, Jay-Z on Jackson to UTEP from North Texas. Jocelyn Morph to North Texas from UIW. Kira White to UTSA from USC. Uh Jeray Washington to UTA from Arkansas State. That's actually a name I was interested in when I saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. So watch out for her. Uh, and then Kayla White to UTA from SMU. So those are the, yep. the names I had written down as well. I had Jocelyn Moore as well. Uh, Jasmine Shavers, I mentioned her. Texas Tech from Mississippi State. Kayla White had her from uh, UTS, UTA from SMU. Kamaria Gibson, UTA from San Diego State. Somebody I wanted to keep an eye on to. Uh, both Jay Jackson and Nia Boyd. Um, both to UTEP and, you know, Nia Boyd, obviously, to Oklahoma State from UNT before that. And then Drianna Edwards, um, I mentioned her, obviously. Yeah. She was like, she would have been like my number six, I think, if we yeah. kept the list going. So, um, yeah, it's 
like you mentioned, the transfer portal kind of makes this kind of wild. And so the fact that like looking over a lot of these players, like I guess I almost underestimated how deep Texas kind of went. And and uh, Baylor, I knew about Edwards and Blackwell because they're obviously high profile. Yeah. But I, I guess I just did not like, I don't know. I didn't notice then they didn't, Texas transfer didn't jump off the page to me immediately because they weren't like SEC players. But you look at them, you're like, oh, there's eight, there's an All-American, there's a starter, yeah. there's a, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, for Taylor Jones not to make our list, um, no. is pretty preseason yeah, all twelve. So yeah. yeah, I mean it's crazy. I think there were seven, something like seventeen hundred men's transfer and thirteen hundred women's transfers. It's just gonna keep going, man. That's just gonna keep Incredible. going. Incredible. All right, on to the men. I'm not gonna lie to you. I do, at this very moment I do not have a number five. There are I have thirty I'm not names com- written down, and I, have I was about to say for sure. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth, I am in my head still debating at this moment i've li- i literally put down my five and i was like i that could be my five could be my eight in five minutes like <laughs> it's not it's not a it's not a solidified there wasn't like a lot of like massive names coming in like again like we mentioned utsa grabbed U, uh, usc's best player in the women's basketball so like <laughs> there wasn't that type of movement no. but no i still think there's very much like interesting things but i agree i'm not like i didn't get it and be like ha we're good like this is my five <laughs> okay i'll go first. you want me to go oh you want to go first okay i'll go, go ahead. first number one tyrese hunter texas from iowa state i had number, number one two fardraz amake imac we never figured out how to say amac it. i think is amac fardraz amac texas tech uh from utah state um number three jalen bridges baylor from west virginia Number four, Samuel Williamson, SMU from Louisville. And number five, number five, I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here. I'm going to go out on a big limb. Okay. Peyton Daniels to Stephen F. Austin from Vanderbilt. I texted okay. you at one in the morning, his profile. Yeah. Former yeah. fringe four-star guy, spent one year at Vanderbilt, transferred to SFA, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice and say that he's a player for SFA this year. So that's my okay. Five. Okay, uh, we're kind of similar. Um, I had Tyrese Hunter number one, Texas from Iowa State, and we'll talk. We can talk about him. Jalen Bridges number two, Baylor from West Virginia. I had uh, Fardaz Amax number three, uh, Tech from Utah Valley State. Number four, I had Tay Hardy, okay. UTEP like from that. Southern Miss. Like and then number five, Samuel Williamson, SMU from oh, man, our listeners similar on this side. Okay. It's very so I will say uh the guy that was close for no, is basically on my number six is Joe Pleasant back at ACU <laughs> from Wichita State. I, Do you remember I when I, I texted you a couple weeks ago and I was like, Do you see Joe Pleasant is back at ACU? And so I he he's close. We'll get to our uh just missed the cut later, yeah. but he was he was like the six for me. Yeah. I have like five, six, like I said. But let's get yeah. to the five we have here. Sure, um, sure. Let's go number one. one. We have we both have t- Tyrese Hunter number one. Um, I think we're both under the impression that the biggest benefactor in this is going to be Marcus Carr. Yes. Um, you have now you bring in a point guard who, it, not that Marcus Carr isn't a playmaker, right? That's he obviously showed that he could do it to some extent, but he is somebody you want to score the ball. And I think a lot of last year in the half court, he got a little bit too indecisive and hesitant and now you bring in somebody to take that all off his plate and now you bring in one of the best guards in the big 12 to do that by his side so now he can just be somebody who 
just guns and just goes for it. So I really, I think the benefit, the benefit to Marcus Carr is going to be a reason why Tyrese Hunter is probably the best transfer this year in the state of Texas. Yeah. Tyrese Hunter averaged almost eight assists or eight, six assists a game last year. Um, only 11 points. He wasn't, um, yeah, he wasn't a great scorer. And I remember sure. this specifically because when Iowa State beat LSU in the tournament, he went nuclear and I think he had six threes and everyone mm-hmm. was like, you know, this guy shoots 25% from three on the year and he comes <laughs> right. down hit six. So he's a gamer. We know that much yeah. about him, but like, you're right. He is, he's a guy, he's probably a better pure creator than Marcus Carr in, in mm-hmm. that respect. And I think Marcus can now look for his shot more. I think Marcus can be a little bit more aggressive and in year two of Chris Beard, he should be more comfortable in what they're trying to do here. So I agree with you. Tyrese Hunter um, for me was, was the number one player. And I think he can get, become a better shooter. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think he, that is very much a capability. So if that happens, then I think this is the number one pick um, for me, for by far to a degree. I think like, yeah, the thing, the thing I'm wondering is like a lot of the shots he took and I'm looking back at that LSU game. I'm actually watching highlights of that LSU game right now and kind of, because honestly, there weren't there aren't a lot of uh, highlights of him making threes. So there's like there's a lot of uh, uh, in, in any highlight tape you get on him, like they're they're probably going to include like most of the threes he made in yeah. the season. Um, but a lot of them I'm noticing are off the are not off the bounce. They're catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, like, is he just not a great shooter off the bounce or off the dribble? Um, cause his release is fine. Like I'm looking at his release and it's very, like very fluid. It's, he has a good hold to follow through things he had like some that. Deep ones, I think too, in that LSU game. Right. And so like, but all of them or mostly all of them are off the bat or off the catch and shoot. And so I wonder mm-hmm. if that's just something he's more comfortable doing. If that's a shooting form that maybe lends itself to that type of three point shooting that can get better when you have a Marcus Carr, maybe collapsing the defense or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think the offense is just, is just going to be better because the offense was just so bad to watch last year worse. at times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, literally cannot be visually worse when you have a better playmaker. All right, our number two and three, I have Fardaz at two and Jalen at three. You have Jalen at two, Fardaz at three. Yep. I, I don't have a problem either way. I think Fardaz, I, I might argue, might need to have a bigger impact for Tech in order to, mm-hmm. for Tech to get to where they want to go. Like, he's kind of the one that they went in on. They're like, this has to be our guy going right. forward. Um, not saying he has to average 20 and 10, but he has to be a very, very good piece for them in order for them to be a top 20 team this year. Mm-hmm. Because if he's average or just above average, then they're going to struggle in a lot of ways. So, um, I mean, at least offensively, because I think he's a versatile enough score to where I think he's going to help them out a lot. So, um, sure. he's my two. And then three, Jalen Bridges. Um, I'll let you talk about him, but I think as a wing type guy, I think it's a big, big gift for them when they're replacing yeah. Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown uh, on the one wing. I was about to say it's it's he's very typical. He's a very typical doesn't look pretty but gets the job done type of player. Um, he's going to be the one making those baseline cuts. He's going to be the one kind of receiving the outlet ball on the fast breaks, things like that. He's very athletic, very lengthy. Um, he's gonna he's gonna have those weird games where like he'll have 12 points and then you realize hey, they're all like layups because he was just like making a backdoor cut or something. And like, just like if, if the team loses track of him constantly in half court. I think he's going to be really, I think the thing for me for Baylor is I'm wondering if he's, he's somebody you got to kind of set up. And so I'm wondering how they do 
replacing that playmaker role, right? If LJ Cryer can be that kind of playmaker for him or Adam Flagler too, um, because he is somebody who you kind of have to set up in, he's not going to create his own shot a lot. Um, similar to Sohan and Kendall Brown. Um, he is somebody you're going to have to hit on the either the leak out or the the baseline cuts, things like that. But regardless, you have another guy who is a veteran of the Big 12 who can play defense, who can rebound with tenacity. Um, I think this is a very easily a, a, a guy you're going to be, I mean, geez, what is he, a June, sophomore, junior? Like they're going to have him for a couple years. And, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's going to be, I, I think he's going to be a, a hassle for a while for uh, teams to deal with. Yeah. Samuel Williamson was my number four. He was your number five. Well, actually, I didn't, I forgot. I didn't speak on Fardos. Um, oh, yes. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, you're replacing Bryson Williams. And so you obviously, he's a different player, but he's sim- similar position. Obviously, he's going to be playing next to Kevin O'Banner. Um, I'm going to be curious about his defense and his movement because um, he, is, he is kind of a lengthy guy. And I'm wondering if he's going to be able to, you know, get over a little bit. Maybe it doesn't matter in college where he can kind of just, stay in the paint a little bit on defense. Um, I do wonder the style of play. Williamson is a very, or Williams was a very nimble big, right? He yeah. kind of had, he had a lot of quickness to him. And Fardaz is very much more of a, he's a face-up, but he is a more sluggish face-up, I guess I was you could say. on the defensive end. You know, Fair. No, that, that, yeah, that's exactly. Right, yeah, exactly. His, his I th- well, I think both ways. I think he's, he's a, he's a, I don't want to say he's like a traditional big because he does shoot threes and he's, he gets outside, but he's not somebody who's going to take you off the dribble, right? Like Bryson Williams could. Um, he's not somebody that's going to kind of get to the bucket. He's going to be a post player. He's going to be in the post, but he's going to step out to you know a stretch three. Um, yeah, and then defensively, type. is he is he going to be a liability in pick and roll situations? Um, I'm will, I guess I'm willing to bet that if Mark Adams trusts him, I think he'll be fine. Um, but I do wonder if he's going to be quick enough to kind of not be a liability on both ends at times. All right, Samuel Williamson. Uh, I remember watching Samuel Williamson in high school um, in the region semi, I believe it was, and they lost that game. But I knew Samuel Williamson was going to Louisville. I knew he was a highly rated guy, and it just didn't work out for him there. And so now he comes to SMU, and I'm willing to bet on his talent any day of the week at SMU. So – I don't have a ton more to say on him because I think a lot of this is potential and projecting to a degree, mm-hmm. but damn, there's a lot of talent that I can bet on here. So I'm, I'm willing to take that gamble. I was about to say, this is, a, I mean, you know, it just, sometimes it doesn't work for certain players, right? It just doesn't click for them right away, but this is a guy who was going right at Tyrese Maxey in high school, right? This is a guy who was going right at a lot of the, that deep um, recruiting class that he came out of that. He was also rated a five-star um, yeah. in the number night or top 20 player in the country uh six six i mean between louisville and kansas was where his top two so go ahead. right so you know obviously it hasn't clicked um, i believe he averaged five points last year um he came in i think two years ago he averaged about close to 10 so he's starting to flash something close to a double double ish um so yeah sure there's still, again like you mentioned it's going to be a projection pick but you know it's different going from louisville to smu right and i think he's going to be a huge benefit of a drop in maybe the, the, the day-to-day game-to-game competition. Um, he's somebody who can shoot the ball. He's somebody who can rebound. He's, you know, he's kind of that tweener uh, build. And I think at a place like SMU and now at a coach at Rob Lanier, who really values defense and length and athleticism, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to really kind of show what he's about. 
um, at this level. I think you're going to see him get back to that guy who, you know, he might not be the five-star, right, the top 10 player that we thought he was, but he can still be an all-conference caliber player, I think, at this level. Yeah. All right. You go first with Joe Pleasant at four here because I, I – No, no, I had, Tay, I had Tay Hardy at four. That's what it was. I knew you had yeah. somebody there. Yeah. Uh, Tay Hardy at four. I, I like Tay Hardy a lot. Seeing yeah. him in Conference USA at Southern Miss – uh, now he's at UTEP, and UTEP def- desperately needs his uh, scoring punch to me. Yes. Uh, long story short, I think he's he's uh, he's the new Reggie Miller for them for for what um, Golding had at ACU. I, I think there's more scoring upside, obviously, to Tay Hardy, but I really like his tenacity on defense. I think that Joe Golding's system needs that type of aggressive pressing point guard. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like the initiator of that press and that aggressive uh, high perimeter defense. And I think he gets that in, T- in Tay Hardy, somebody who's obviously bigger than Reggie Miller. He's 6'3", um, but he's somebody who plays with that similar edge to him. And I like that he now has that point guard. And I th- I, I'm curious, I guess one of the things that we I wish we could have asked him was how big of a priority was somebody like a Tay Hardy? Because last year they just didn't, you know, they had Jamal Biennemi is a good point guard and he's a talented player, but he's not that initiator on defense, right? He's not yeah. that guy that's going to like pick you up at midcourt and just like make your life hell while you try to get the ball around. I think Tay Hardy is that in addition to being somebody who can drop 10 to 15 points a game. Yeah. He won't be in contention for the Reggie Miller award at the end of the season. Unfortunately, <laughs> right, he, right, right. He is too tall. He is too, too tall. tall for that award. <laughs> um, my number five is Peyton Daniels here. And I sent you his um, – let me, let me pull it up again so I have it here. Yeah. I sent you his recruiting profile. He was the – 1 a.m. As, as people do, they, they send Vanderbilt stats. <laughs> <laughs> and recruiting profiles. Now, Peyton Daniels only spent one year. He's from the 2021 class. He only spent yeah. one year at, at Vandy. He was, he's rated 89 out of, out of high school. He was top 200 player, uh, the 177th player according to the composite there. Um, and if – SFA SFA got a handful of guys, which I'll start to list off some of the some of the other guys that I have um, listed as well. But mm-hmm. SFA got a lot of guys, but he is the most talented here, and he has the most upside. And if SFA wants to get back to that, you know, where they're competing for NCAA tournament bursts, and I know it's a tough conference now in, in the WAC, but he's the type of guy that you need to break through on both ends as as a as a player uh, if you want to get to that level so i was really impressed with sfa's hall uh as far as transfers go uh just when i was doing this and he is the guy for me that could really change them so a little bit again another projection pick here this isn't like the like you said this isn't the women's side where you're getting these all conference players just transferred over to texas or to baylor to these schools um these are going to be a little bit more projections and Mm -hmm. i i'm comfortable betting on peyton daniels will be you know, being a player for, for SFA this year. So he's my number I like, five. I like that pick. I like, I mean, again, you go from the SEC to uh, the WAC, right? And you're, I would presume you're going to find things a little bit more comfortably, <laughs> comfortable yeah. there. Um, and you mentioned his athleticism. He's somebody who just, he's kind of an, un, I don't want to say unorthodox, but he's kind of like, he's kind of that player who looks kind of out of control until he gets in the lane. And then you're like, Oh, there's a layup kiss off the glass or something. And I, I'm really fascinated to see how SFA uses him. Um, that was like, you, you sent that. And then I started looking up his stuff and I was like, Oh man, this dude, this kid does have something um, and something that SFA could definitely use. 
Um, yeah. so I, so my five was Sammy Williamson, but I mentioned Joe Pleasant, uh, as just like on my outside. So I'll, I'll mention him before we get into, did you name your five? Was that your five already? That was my five. That was my, okay. Five. So, um, so we can get to, into our rest of them, but Joe Pleasant, I mean, he's back at ACU, uh, obviously it didn't work out at Wichita state. Uh, I think there's a lot going on there. So I don't want to blame him for uh, that. Cause they're actually kind of down. Yeah. Uh, but he was such a key part of that team that upset Texas under Joe Gold, under Joe Golding. He averaged, I believe it was, he was 10 point, 11 points and 10 points his last two years there. And he was just somebody, he was that unorthodox big who looked like he was too small to kind of really make some of the plays he was making. He's a hustle player. He gets in the lane. He can, he can, he defends, right. He's somebody who can get switched on to anybody and be kind of okay. Um, I'm really glad that he's back. Cause I think they needed somebody like him. We saw last year what it looked like without both without him and Colton Cole. And I think adding at least one of them back um, will definitely help them. Uh, some of the other names that I had were Jalen Tyson tech from Texas. Um, again, another projection pick as somebody who just highly tattered out of high school, didn't click, yeah. needs a new change of scenery. Terry Eady, uh, North Texas from North Dakota state, Shamar Givens, UTEP from Evansville. And then Debian Harmon, Tech from Oregon, that is somebody who you see the talent and you see what he possesses. This is a guy who can be a one-man fast break on any given day. It just has not clicked, or sometimes he gets tunnel vision. There's a, there's a little bit of the good and bad Russell Westbrook syndrome, right? Where yeah. you're like, oh, man, he just finished in the lane over three people. That's wild. And then there's like, oh, man, he didn't he didn't pass it, and he went into the lane of three, <laughs> three people, and it got rejected or something. <laughs> so... Exactly. So like, I think he's somebody who trusts his athleticism a little bit too much. And so I'm wondering if Mark Adams can kind of reel that in because if they can, he could be a date. He's a dangerous player. If they can make him kind of slow it down a bit, which he hasn't so far, which is why he did not make my top five. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a ton of names I agree. I'll, I'll list a couple, a couple more. I have all those that you named on here, obviously. Um, Big name guys, uh, Serge Abari Rice from New Mexico mm -hmm. State to Texas definitely is worth consideration that he yes. could 12 or 12 or 13 points a game at, at New Mexico State. Uh, KK Robinson is a name I think people should mm. know. Went to Texas AM from Arkansas, was a highly rated guy there, could be a huge piece for that AM team. I didn't want to put him on, he was in contention, but that would be if KK Robinson can actually play, I think that is. He's one of the better players on AM, just as far as talent goes. Sure. Um, Rondell Walker, TCU from Oklahoma State. Okay. Okay. The only reason I didn't put on here is because TCU has so much coming back. I want to see right. how he kind of fits in, but he definitely was in contention for that. And then the last one I'll say for now, and you can kind of give feedback on that. Um, where did I want to go? There's a guy, Corian Russian. Corian Russian, 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 whatever his name is. Corian Russian went to Tarleton State from Chicago State. And I don't have the stats up in front of me, but Tarleton State might have just got a legitimate player here. And I'm going to have to actually watch out for him. I'll pull up his stats. But what do you think about uh, Rondell Walker and all the guys that I just named? And I like I like Rondell Walker a lot. I think this is a this is potentially a pretty big year for TCU. And I think I like the addition, the the philosophy of we have our core now. Let's make it deeper. Um, and so he only averaged, you know, four about five points, three rebounds. Which, again, if he does that at TCU, I think you have still have a 
considerable bit player for them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I really do like that pick, that, that name a lot. Um, I did notice when you named um, uh, KK Robinson, I think I'm sensing the trend here, right? You, you sense the women's, we mentioned the women's basketball trend of the stars kind of leaving or maybe having one, you know, we had it happen here with um, uh, SFA. Oh my goodness. Um, On the men's side? No, the women's side, sorry. Um, Yeah, No, 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 SFA. Um, Oh God, Swedish. Why am I forgetting her name? I'm sorry, not uh, (laughs) Kate. What? Stephanie Vischer. Oh Stephanie Bishop, God. Jesus Christ! Whoa, uh, but we had like, like you're crazy. We, I was like, well, yeah, that was her name, and then I was like, yo, um, Stephanie Vischer. And so we have like the star players kind of having maybe one year elsewhere, right? We had it happen yeah. to some play- some players here. We had it some players, some teams bring in some players like the Katie Farrell going to Tech or something. Um, in the men's side, it does, and I don't. I'm kind of curious why we don't see this on the women's. We're seeing the I don't want to say the flameouts, but the guys that are highly touted that don't work out they're giving another shot, right? The women, they're kind of, you know, Kendall Hunter's sticking around, right? She's not leaving yeah. Texas, right? Um, somebody like, a, you know, a Jamie Asbury and all that, like they're sticking around to, to Baylor, you know, um, Jade Nolens, things like that. I'm kind of curious how that, I don't know. I'm kind of curious about the dynamic there because the men, like you mentioned, Samuel Williamson's like, yep, it's not working out. Let me just try to find somewhere else. You mentioned KK Robinson, highly touted. Let me go try somewhere else. And I don't know. That's kind of the fascinating part to me is like, while well, one's it's the experienced players leaving and the other, it's the new guys that aren't seeing that like immediate um, um, payoff right now. So yeah. For those who don't know, KK Robinson was the number 63 player in the class in 2020 and the number 10 point guard. Um, like I said, very highly rated player. All right. Corian Russian from Chicago state last year, he averaged uh, 10 points and seven boards. Uh, was one of the best players on the team. Definitely leading rebounder on the team. So he's at Tarleton now. So shout out to Tarleton for that. Okay. A few other, a few other names here because I I did all this work. So you're yes. gonna hear these damn names. Okay? <laughs> uh, Robbie Armbrester from SFA to uh, from Houston to SFA didn't play okay. a ton for Houston last year, but that's another SFA guy that I really like. Dexter Dennis to AM from Wichita State. I know when we did the AM podcast. Um, with the the beat writer that his name Andrew I believe Andrew Hattersley, uh, he, yes. he kind of mentioned him as a guy and him uh, getting him is a big deal. Uh, Quay Quay Grant from Wichita State yes. to Sam Houston, he's another he's somebody, one. He's another so he's kind of a similar to Joe Plaza. He was a huge player for I think West Texas A and M in Division Two. He was like a player of the year in that conference and kind of made the jump again. Wichita State's kind of in a weird transition. Yeah. So I don't want to blame that, but I do like I think he is talented. He, you know, he came, he dominated in division two, and I'm glad that he's getting a shot somewhere else too. Yep. Aaron Cash from AM to UT Arlington. Mm. I think that's an interesting one. Um Mario McKinney from New Mexico State to UTEP. Oh, we kind of talked to UTEP already, but I think that could be a decent pickup there. And then there's well, actually, here one more. Keon Ambrose Hilton. From Alabama to SMU. Okay. I think SMU could actually use him. And I think I, I remembered his name because obviously SEC bias. Mm-hmm. But um, th- that's another guy with talent SMU's bringing in with some upside. I really like the upside that um, SMU's going to have this coming year. Whether they put it together or not, I don't know. Then there's four players that transferred to a Texas school from Kansas State. I I was writing this down, and I, I can't believe it. Last year played for Kansas State, are now at a Texas school. There's four. Okay. Kelsey Azigu, 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 transferred to Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Siri, Siri Lewis transferred to Rice, who I think he actually could be a, a big player for, for Rice. Carlton Lingward transferred to UTSA, seven-footer. So you put him next to Jacob Germany or behind Jacob Germany, whatever. And then the last Ca- Kansas State player, Montavious Murphy, to SFA. So that is, those are your four Kansas State players uh, that have transferred to Texas schools. Uh, FEODG to SMU from Troy. Used to play for UTEP. One uh, Malik Wilson from Tech uh, yeah, to Houston. He's yep. somebody who didn't put up numbers, but he was somebody who was vital to their defense. Um, I believe he only averaged like two points a game, but he played 15 minutes a game. So I'm very fascinated to see how Kelvin Sampson deploys him as like part of the offensive rebounding platoon <laughs> that they have going there. I feel like uh, Malik Wilson is kind of like how I, you would how you play and pick up. Yes. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Two points. Yep, exactly. Hunter, hey, look, look, it's all about hustle, baby. Let's go. He ant- anticipates that passing lane. He'll, he's like, oh, I got the ball. Assist. Let's go. Let's get, let's get it going. Let me get the ball out of my hands and somebody else can make the play. Yeah, anytime I watch him now, I'm just going to be thinking of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Last ones I have here. Uh, Prairie View picked up uh, Nakai Ruddy from Monmouth, who was actually, I mean, legit player. And then they picked up Trajan Wesley from UL Lafayette. So you have those two. And then Calvin Solomon going to UTEP from SFA, wrote his name down. Two more. Sherman Brashier went to UTRGV from Western Kentucky. I thought that was a good pickup for them. And then Courtney Carter went to Tarleton State from, I don't even remember what school, SIU. Uh, that was, but that was, he actually put up some points over there. So that is all 31 players I have written down. Boom. Right Again, that goes to show you, for anybody wondering, like that goes to show you how easy this was in the women's because you had All-American, All-Conference player, blah, blah, blah. And then in Texas, it, with the men, it was like, ah, this guy was good in high school. I think yeah. he's going to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have to put his name down. I mean, he right, was a right, four right. star. There was one, like we like we had the top three more or less, right? Hunter, uh, Fardaz, Amak, and then Jalen Bridges in some order. And then everything else was like, ah, we'll see, man. <laughs> I mean, look at, like, just compare the number five that we have on the women to the men's side like i have sonia morris who was the leading yeah. scorer in depaul history basically averaged 15 <laughs> a game the last three seasons and on the number five on the men's side i have peyton daniels who played one year at vanderbilt went to sfa and i have no idea if he's going to be great or not but i'm right just <laughs> i had khadijah Fay, who was the starting forward for tech and then sammy williamson who was pretty good in high school <laughs> yeah he was good in high school he, he really looks good, good when he plays yeah. man he's got real he's good He's awesome. got the look, but yeah, it's all it's all projection for the men's side. I almost put Tyree Eady on here. Um, I thought I, I thought about it. I really did. I really did. Because um, North I think Texas will be, really use him, and I think that's going to be a really good. Um, if I him. wasn't as high on, like I really think, like I think we both agree that Samuel Williamson really is going to hit that stride. Um, he, it, Joe Pleasant slash Tyree Eady would be a word like my six and seven. I think yeah. if I had to guess. Okay. Well, that's all the names to know. Nobody can say oh, we did God. not prepare because we prepared for this at 1 a.m. So many amazing. names. It was amazing. But this was a good, this was a great way to like look at the whole transfer portal landscape and everything. I mean, oh, for sure. This was a great idea. Whoever came up with this, pat them on the back. Oh, all right. This guy. <laughs> um, all right. We've gone long enough. Uh, we appreciate y'all joining us. If, you, if you're still listening, leave us a five star rating and review wherever you are consuming this podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a like, comment, share, and subscribe. Um, new Zone Star State layout here. We're working on the the kinks, like Ish said. It might be called Texas 24 still. 
but in our heart, it's own star state now. So we appreciate y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all.